Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com. Coming up on the Money Beat podcast, it is the food fight. We're talking about Donald Trump. They liked him in Cleveland. Will they like him in the market? And also Yahoo, very close to finding a buyer for its internet businesses. Who will it be? We'll talk about that next. This is Money Beat. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some. Now, financial food fight. Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. Welcome to the Friday Food Fight. Paul Vigna here in the studio. Stephen Grosser is not in today. He was in the office, but uh, he had some big epic meeting, so he couldn't do it. I-, I hear rumors that he might try to crash the podcast, but we'll see if that actually happens or not. Uh, who we do have is some of our usuals, Jack Otter, Jack from Barron's. How are you, Jack? I'm pretty good, thanks. Good. And Chuck Jaffe from Market Watch calling in from Boston, as always. Thanks for having me back. And and Dana Simaluka, one of our editors on the money and investing team, one of our aces in the world of M&A. Dana, how are you? I'm doing well, Paul. Thank you. And uh, I just saw Grocer sneak into the control room. We're going to try to keep uh, him. We're going to keep him off the air, though. We're not going to let him on. Grocer, no, no. Those who are late do not get fruit cup. <laughs> yeah, oh, see, see I, I turned his mic off. Keep it off. Ke- keep it off. Keeping that mic off. Then we never have oh. Dana on. Oh, here we how go. Did you get, how did you get in here? Who let you in? They like me in the control booth. <sighs> Only people. Wow. Well, this podcast just went off the rails. All right. Let's let's uh, let's talk about a subject that is, interestingly enough, I don't think it's having a huge effect on the market, but uh, let, let's hash this out a little bit. Donald Trump gave his acceptance speech last night. And I think what's interesting in, in terms of what, how we want to approach it is you can look at this in ways of there, there were th- Probably three big, broadly speaking, probably three constituencies Donald Trump had to reach last night. Whether or not he cared about reaching them is another thing. But there's Republican voters, there's Democratic voters, and there's the market. So let's talk about that third group. Do we think that Donald Trump last night reached the market? And what do we think the market made of that speech? I guess I'd have to say that the market didn't see anything changing in terms of its prediction because the market was pretty blasé right. on the open. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, market and- was, the market was waiting for him to go off script. The market, I think, you know, the, the way so many things happen on the market, it's sort of like in the old days of looking to see, you know, how, how fat is Greenspan's briefcase. Right. I think the market was waiting to see him say something when they felt he wasn't reading from the teleprompter. Hmm. And he actually did a good job staying on script last night. So the result of that is that that the market didn't have the things that it might have been looking to react to. That's interesting. That, that's an interesting take on it. Uh, you know, what I wonder about is, look, you look at some some of the, the more notable lights uh, in the, the market punditry world, right? I mean, I'm thinking especially the, the, the Economist has written a lot of things about Donald Trump. They're not fans. Uh, our own editorial page is very ambivalent about him. I think the market looks at him as this is a guy who certainly wants to, to knock over the apple cart. 
That's for sure. And, and the market tends not to like the Apple card exactly. knocked over. Right. And, and again, this is people think that's a political statement. It's not. The no, market it's not does at not all. like uncertainty, period. The, the, the market likes the devil it knows. And so my superficial reaction is to think that the market still sees Hillary Clinton as having a larger chance of gaining the presidency. Although I'm not sure I buy that. To me, it's, it's an extraordinarily hard... Uh, race to handicap for so many reasons, including one of my favorites is that I think there are Donald Trump fans, supporters, voters out there who don't admit it in polls. I think there are still people who just aren't ready to say that. Yeah. And and there are people who will, and I saw um, uh, Dennis Gartman does a daily newsletter, and I get that one, and he mentioned offhandedly, you know, he said, He'll be voting for Donald Trump just because he won't vote for Hillary Clinton. So there, there are people out there that are going to vote for Donald Trump, whether or not they like him, just because they don't like Hillary Clinton. The other, th- the other thing is polling data has not been very successful lately. That's uh, true, too. Brexit, you know, if you needed proof of that, I think there, well, the, there's a poll, YouGov, I think it was, a poll that came out maybe an hour before we started right. getting the initial results in that had, you know, staying in the EU well ahead. And that was obviously yeah. not the case. And the market moved on that. Yeah. People started buying because they thought, oh, UK is not going to vote to you leave. See, you saw the pound strengthen, right. strengthen, right. strengthen, and then all of a sudden the first results came in and the pound went the opposite yeah. way. And that's an excellent analogy because, again, people thought that people didn't want to admit they were voting for Brexit. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, but it's also not to be argumentative, but um, hey, this, but this that, is the that, food that's, fight, that's the Dana. The this is the food fight. Show. Fine, you can be a little argumentative. Um, it's possible there's not a read across between the Brexit vote and U.S. political votes. I mean, I, my understanding is there are question marks around you know how good the polling data was in the U.K. and it's conceivable that it's it's more sophisticated and, and well developed over here. Well, no, I mean, one of the yeah, I mean, I, I think there is probably an argument for that because Nate Silver, uh, you know, he 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 was sort of taken for task for getting the last uh, parliamentary election in the UK very wrong. Um, so, like, you know, and that's sort of where the mean kind of grew up. That polling data is getting worse and worse. So it, there might be some truth to what Dana's saying. And it's possible that the Brexit vote will hurt Donald Trump. Because there may be some people who see that when the dog catches the car, it doesn't actually work out that well. Yeah, yeah there's yeah, no question that could happen. But, the, you know, but bringing it back to the market, yeah. here, here's an interesting question. So if you had to throw it out there for our audience right now, and you had to pick a stock that you thought would be particularly suited for a Donald Trump presidency, and we can throw away mm. the 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 names that might come up because you are trying to be tongue-in-cheek, you're trying to make a statement. So we're going to throw out, you know, you can't pick Smith & Wesson. Or the, Isra- or the Israeli fence builder, or, you know, the Bill's yeah, Wall. exactly, right. <laughs> Semex. But, yeah. but the question would then be, like, would you pick, I don't know, Merck, because, you know, Hillary had made her statements about pharma or something along those lines, or would you pick some little company that does, uh, is a private prison company, right? They're in the incarceration business or, you know, a for-profit prison operator. Who would you pick if, you know, to be yourself? Would it be a coal company, right? Well, well, one of the the things that he said, although he didn't really talk about it much last night, but one of the few things he said throughout has been, hey, I want to, I want to resuscitate the coal industry. So would you 
you know, bet with big energy or right. bet against them. One of the one of the you know interesting parts of the Republican platform was the fact that they want to bring back Glass Steagall, and we were talking about this because obviously this week was you know the end of big bank earnings, and you saw Goldman and Morgan Stanley, while they beat their you know revenue results were were far short of you know uh, what anyone would consider great, um, and they're just in they're in just this rut this like you know they're not their their sales are just not growing and part of the problem is you know, you know you're in a you know low complexity high volume. Um, place, especially when it comes to sort of trading mm-hmm. for clients and stuff like that, and that's not where Goldman, you know, especially succeeds. They, you know, like complex and hard. The question is, if all of a sudden you have these big banks, they're big competitors with massive balance sheets, no longer competing with them. I mean, do Morgan Stanley and Goldman benefit? Yeah, that's I mean, one possible. That's, I, you know, to, to get at Chuck's question too, a part of what I would have to know in my mind, or at least figure out in my mind for myself, I guess. When when Trump talks about ripping up trade deals, he says they're all lousy, they're all terrible. I'm gonna. Ri- How serious is he about that? And and to what extent can he actually make that happen? Which is a crucial. It's issue. one thing to get up on a stage and say I'm going to do this. I mean, politicians talk all the time about what they're going to do. It's another thing to you know. And I don't think it's a question of just can you get Congress on board? Can you get American business on board? I mean. Th- you can complain about the trade deals and they send jobs overseas and I get all that. But, you know, I have to think that American businesses are pretty happy with the way things are. And they don't – and this gets back to your point at the beginning, right? I don't think they really want a lot of these trade deals ripped up. Not, not the senior people. I mean, it's right. the people who get hurt are not the executives. Right. They're not the executives. They make more money. Right. Uh, so, so they'll certainly be against you know, it. before I can answer your question, Chuck, I would have to answer that question in my mind. So I think one way to look at it is what of the Trump proposals would face the least resistance? Yeah. And one that comes to my mind would be defense spending, because it's kind of tough for anyone to vote against defense spending. I know there's some there is the dovish faction that will. But you'd pull some Democrats. You'd get a lot of Republicans. It just sounds good. Hey, who's going to argue against right. make the country stronger? So contractors would probably do very well. I bet some infrastructure spending would do well, because again, you, Trump would bring along some of his people, you'd get some Democrats who want to stimulate. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, high-speed trains. I'll give you and, my pick. Go ahead. Taser. Yeah, sure. Why? I, I don't tell you. Why? Because after all the talk about law enforcement and what we're going to do, and we're going to step up this and that and the other thing, although, you know, again, you have a question of whether or not they can actually step up the spending more than it's been stepped right, up, right. et cetera, but we don't want guns. We want non-lethal weapons to be able to do whatever, and et cetera. I mean, I, I was sitting there watching it, trying to trying to figure out what stock did I not hear mentioned that it made me think of. <laughs> yeah. And that was the only one. that I, I was sitting there watching the speech going, this might be good for Taser. <laughs> and that was the only name that I came up with where I actually said, that's the one. But I actually think the ideas are pretty good. The defense spending companies absolutely you know, if you're going to look for the sector, you're going to try to play the ETF and the yeah. industry that, that benefits. All right. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side, and we're going to talk about Yahoo, which may finally be at the end of its long odyssey of trying to find somebody to buy it. Hi, this is Kevin Sintemong. This is Beth Cracklauer. Check us out on the Off-Duty Podcast. We talk about food, cocktails, all of the finer things in life. Check us out at wsj.com slash podcast. And become a subscriber on iTunes. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. 
Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Food Fight. Paul Vina, Stephen Grosser, Jack Otter, Chuck Jaffe, and Dana Simaluka. And Dana, we wanted to have you on as a special guest today because of the Yahoo story. So uh, explain to us what is going on with Yahoo, what finally may be happening, and why is it significant? Well, <clears throat> it, it's significant because, you know, Yahoo, even though it's, it's faded, is, you know, ha- is a company that has a very important history and it still has a lot of customers. Um, what's going on now is that uh, the company has been for sale for a long time. It feels like years, but I think it's, it's probably more like months. Um, and there's been an auction, and it looks like the auction is finally about to run its course and that the winner is going to be Verizon, you know, the big phone company, which has long been speculated as the most likely buyer of Yahoo. So in the next few days, maybe Monday, you know, uh, companies like to announce deals on Monday, we could finally get an announcement that that deal is happening. People have been calling for a Yahoo AOL, AOL merger for years, and now... Because of no, Verizon, because of, they're right. getting together. Yeah, absolutely, Verizon owns AOL already as you know part of a departure from their traditional wireline and wireless phone business, and it looks like they may be going even further in that direction. What would happen to the Alibaba stake? Um, now, well, to be sure, that will not be part of this deal. I mean, this deal will probably measure in you know five billion or so, give or take. The, the Alibaba stake that Yahoo has is worth much more than that. Wouldn't be part of the deal. I'm not 100% sure how it will work. Like, if you're a Yahoo shareholder, um, what you're going to end up with. I'm not 100% sure, but clearly Verizon's not taking a big Alibaba stake. So, basically, this is... Well, they, we, they haven't given out any real details yet of what they're going to do, exactly what they're going to buy, how much they're really going to pay. We still have to wait for all that, right? A lot of but, question marks. Like, but, did but, they take the real estate? Did they take the patents? Right. But essentially, it sounds like almost like the dissolution of Yahoo. Absolutely. I mean, well, yeah, or put slightly differently. I mean, Yahoo, Yahoo as a standalone company comes to an end, which is pretty, pretty interesting given the seminal role they played in the development of the internet. Um, I assume it's, it's, it's a, it's a still a brand that's got a lot of value. So I assume Verizon holds on to the brand, but who knows? What, um, what, what does Verizon want with Yahoo AOL too? I mean, like what's driving this sort of these purchases? I don't entirely understand it, um, should the truth be told, because I'm just an M&A guy who is a uh, jack-of-all-trades and a master of none. But um, it's got something to do with um, you know, digital advertising Mobile and, the, and the technology therein. And it's something to do with the fact that you know, Verizon sees synergy between you know, all the data it gets from its 100 million-plus mobile phone customers, um, you know, how it can potentially put that together with um you know with the ad tech they got from AOL and whatever they'd get from Yahoo. So so this it's, is basically it's amazing. It's it's they're competing with, Well, I was just going to say they're competing with Apple and Google and essentially. Yeah, absolutely. But absolutely. it's it's crazy. I mean, Verizon and Facebook is in some fashion. Yeah, Verizon yeah. is the 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 modern descendant of Ma Bell, which is, you know, this this century old company, right? It was one of the Bells buying Bought AOL, now might buy Yahoo. I mean, two names that were meaningful 20 years ago. It it amazes me that they're going to buy two companies that essentially have failed and try to make something of them. Well, they, they, is that really the smartest? Use? And they have a lot of money, well, Verizon. But I mean, is that really the smartest use well, of their money? I mean, the question is, I mean, it's all about price. 
right? Sure. I mean, the, you, you know, you're right that AOL and Yahoo were failing as public companies, but it, they were bought on the cheap. I mean, there's a reason for that. No, yeah. right? Yeah. But the, like they, like Yahoo is underlying patents and technologies that you know are valuable. It's not in. And well, we so don't they, know if we're going to get. If and, they're going to buy those, though, right? And, the and, patents. And so did AOL. Dana. Yeah, well, look, um, we don't think they're actually going to get the patents. But, again, to be argumentative, because that's the name this of the game This is the here, food fight. And I do like to argue with Stephen Grosser, as he well knows. We all kind of like to argue with Stephen yeah, Grosser. Yeah, he's a fun guy to argue yeah. with. Um, I thought you were going to be arguing with Paul, like you were going to be backing my point. No, no. I can do that <laughs> later, for sure, if you want. But um, I sort of don't think it's all about price. Like, whether Verizon, like, throws another billion in or not doesn't really matter. I mean... They have enough cash on their balance sheet practically to simply write a check for Yahoo. Um, the success of this investment is not going to end up being determined. You know, like some other takeovers, like a private equity takeover, for example, the success depends to a large extent on how much you pay and whether you get a you know certain return. In this case, whether or not this thing is successful doesn't matter whether they pay a billion more or less. It's like kind of going back to what Paul was saying. Can they figure Yahoo out, and can they figure AOL out, and can they figure a way, you know, to create value by putting these guys together? I mean, that's a major league riddle, which I would imagine if they can figure out, there's huge upside in it. But there's also got to be a very good chance that it. it I mean, look, AOL, let's not forget, is um, a party to the arguably the worst M and A deal in history. So there's there's a big chance that this thing fails. But if they can get it right, there's probably a lot of upside. Dana, Dana, it's always about price. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Any M&A deal, it's always about no, I price. Think, I think this one is not. I think this is about execution and whether they can— It's all about execution, too. But, like, you know, if you, if you, if you overpay for something, there's only so much, like, execution can get you out of that. Well, you also have some What happened to Chuck there? You also have some good stuff go. coming on from, from leftover ways of the way Yahoo was built. Yeah. You probably don't have the institutional memory. I'm basically dating myself as older than the rest of you guys. But remember that in 2000, Yahoo was actually under SEC scrutiny because technically it had become a mutual fund. And it had to get – now, that also happened, by the way, to Google, and it also happened to, to Microsoft even earlier. But you still had – it's about how much cash they had versus non-controlling interest of other stocks and some things along those lines. Mm-hmm. Yahoo has always been this sort of nightmarish conglomeration of things – and that's part of the other interesting thing is to see how you deconstruct that because they've skirted on the edge of, of a number of rules for literally decades. But don't forget, they still have a lot of customers. I think it measures in like the hundreds of millions. I happen to be a Yahoo customer. Believe it or not, I'm, I'm like unfortunately probably closer in age to but is that what I'd like uh, to be. And I still have a Yahoo email account. I still, have a, Yahoo. Yahoo. I still yeah. have a Yahoo email account. Yeah, you guys shouldn't be bragging about that. Um, <laughs> I'm not bragging. Just <laughs> I mean, like it's, a, it's, a, it's embarrassing. You have a flip phone and you have a Yahoo account. <laughs> you, I don't have a flip phone. I have a flip phone. I think Paul but also. you have an AOL account? Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> I don't have an AOL. I, I will say, though, I, I could not tell you offhand what the the password to my Yahoo email address is right, All right now. I can. But the That's question, the last time I but the question for you know, you say they still have a lot of customers, but is that what Verizon wants? I mean, is that, is that what they're right, doing? The right. deal what is like they, they want, want right. the email customers. I mean, th- this is I really think about you know mobile advertising and you know being able to combine that with you know AOL had a very good mobile advertising platform um, and How trying long to, ago. Um, no, no, they actually supposedly when the deal was done, the, the people praised yeah, yeah. that that aspect of their technology. 
technology. Now, you know, the question is, I mean, this is about getting, you know, being able to get, you know, people who are using their phones to search the web and, you know, buy things and using apps to buy things and do other things and getting those ad dollars. So one of the thought here is, you know, with Fios, obviously Verizon is a big, you know, it's a Comcast yeah. competitor. And Yahoo, with all those eyeballs, offers an opportunity to stream over mobile. And I, I still am unsure why no one has figured out how that's a not, very good has, point. Has not figured out how to get me football games on my phone or whatever, and and now you've got the eyeballs. You've got Verizon and FiOS to have the technology, and I could see that happening. Who and you'd offered? Get what was it Directv offered football? No, Directv. Directv. Uh, right? I watch. I watch Directv on my phone all the time. Yeah, they did the Eli the, and Peyton Manning commercial. No, they did. Remember. They did, yeah. They they have football it's, on your phone. You can get Sunday Ticket on your phone right. and on your tablet. And I, in fact, get it on my tablet, plug it into my TV, and watch uh, the Patriots. But I guess what Sunday. you're really talking about is having it almost as broadcast. Right. Exactly. Right. Yahoo streamed right. one game last yeah, year. The right? London game, right? And yeah, exactly. And I could see that happening. And and just forget about going over the top. I mean, this is you know. You got your, high, your yeah. you've got your iPhone and you've got your your games. That's a that, that's a excellent point. Well, that maybe that's what they want to do. Yeah. Maybe that's where they're going. And Armstrong will figure out how to make. But it's it it's interesting how you have like the cable companies, the phone companies, Apple, Google, all sort of you know competing over you know in the same space now. Right. No, you're absolutely right about that. All right, let's uh, let's wrap. Let's end it there. I want to thank you, gentlemen, for coming in. I want to thank you all for listening. I want everyone to have a great weekend, and we'll catch up with you beginning next week. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.